Welcome to Marathon Swim Stories, where we interview marathon swimmers from all walks of life to get perspective on how to endure, adapt, and overcome the challenges we face swimming and in life. I'm Shannon Keegan, marathon swimmer, wife, mom, and swim efficiency coach at Intrepid Water, where we seek to empower individuals to become comfortable and confident in the water so they can start swimming places. Are you ready to swim smarter? Check out my virtual Efficient Swimming Basics program at intrepidwater.com. All right, Colleen, are you ready to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, yeah. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm Colleen. Um, I live in Scotland. I'm from Scotland. Um, a bit about me, swimming's kind of my life. I work in swimming. I do additional work in swimming and I also swim. So it kind of is everything I do is linked to swimming, which sometimes becomes a bit too much, but it is what I enjoy. So yeah, that's probably all you kind of need to is about me I work with swimming clubs in Scotland as a day job and I do some coaching and teaching as well as swimming. Lovely how did you start swimming? I started swimming when I was a baby so I got thrown in from my dad when I was six weeks old Um, I come from a family of swimmers so my dad and my mum both swam um, and my sister's a swimmer as well so I didn't really have very much of a choice and I don't (laughs) actually remember learning to swim that's all I've ever kind of done. Wow, that's uh, that makes it. <laughs> that's, that's a way to start. I love that though. That's awesome. Where's your favorite place to swim? Um, my favorite place to swim here. So probably a couple of places where I live now. Um, there's a lock, fifteen minutes from the house, Loch Tay. Um, it's fifteen miles long. It's not the warmest place. Um, in the summer it goes up to twelve, thirteen degrees centigrade is the max it goes to. Um, but yeah, it's just a beautiful place to go and swim. Is that where you swim? Like, is it, do a lot of your training swims or? Uh, yeah, so that's my main training. But there's a beach that we could go in and do laps across, especially when the water's colder. Once it gets warmer, you can swim up the shore and there's kind of a 10k loop that you can do to do training. Sometimes my dad just comes down in a boat and we just go up for a couple hours, turn around and come back. Um, other local spots, there's a river, the local, the big river that comes through the village I stay in. Further down, there's a bit that you could go and swim. So my mum used to just go and sit and do her knitting on the bench. And I swam underneath her at the river and just don't move for a couple of hours. And then when I first started swimming outside as a kid um, in Dundee, there was a harbour where we used <coughs> to train and do woods across the harbour as kids as our training. So that's kind of where all my training has been around. When did you start swimming marathons? Um, I started swimming outside at seven years old. I did my first race, um, which was a mile race. Um, and then my first longer swim was when I was 14. I did a 17k race in Ireland and it kind of just grew from there. Um, yeah, so that was probably the longest there. Walk Tays, 15 miles. I did that when I was training for the North Channel when I was 18. So I did a few swims building up. Um, I didn't manage the North Channel then. So the following year, I did two-way Windermere, which is a 22-mile swim, Loch Ness, 
and a swim in Ireland that hadn't been done before. They were all about 20 miles. So that was probably when I started jumping up the distances. Why did, why did you start jumping up the distances? <laughs> um, I think I'd done the circuit. I'd been around, so I'd gone from juvenile, which was the under 12 age group, and then through the junior swims, and each distance kind of got bigger. The 17K swim I did in Ireland, I was there because my sister was training for the channel, and that was her training swim for one of her last swims before she went to the English Channel. And they had a spare kayaker, so as I say, it was 14. And they said, oh, do you swim? And I was like, oh, yeah. And they're like, oh, do you fancy swimming tomorrow? You could swim to halfway and get out. And I'm like, right, that's fine, because I had only swam five miles before then. Um, so I got told, as soon as you see a building, that's you at halfway, you can get out. And I was like, perfect. But I only breathe to my right. And <laughs> the halfway point is on your left. <laughs> So I saw a big building, got really excited and was like, can I get out now? And got told I had like two or three miles to the end and no, I had to stay until I got to the end. <laughs> so that was probably where I kind of started falling in love with the longer swims. Um, and I also think everybody knew me as Shannon's little sister. So my sister, who's also called Shannon, um, she swam national level at <clears throat> open water and did long swims. So I was kind of taken to her swims. So I just swam. And then I was kind of known as yeah Shannon's little sister so when are you going to do this because Shannon's done it so I was always like well I'm going to do one up on what she's done um so it's kind of probably grown from there that's lovely <laughs> well maybe not it feels like a lot of peer pressure <laughs> a lot of family pressure um I don't think it came from the family I think it came from everybody within swimming rather than the family and I don't deal with pressure well so my the way of dealing with it is to show that I was better than she was and it was probably not fair on her but yeah, everybody in the sport were always like, oh yeah, when are you going to do that? Because Shannon's done. My family have never put pressure on. They've just supported me completely in everything I've done. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, how do you describe the feeling of completing a marathon swim? Um, it depends on the swim. Sometimes relief that is done. Sometimes it's a two, three days before it's at, or a week, two weeks before it actually sinks in what you've actually done. Um, sometimes it's annoying because you're having a really good swim, you switched off and you're in your happy place and then all of a sudden it's over and it's about, like, oh, it's done. So yes, I think it depends on the swim, depends how I feel at the end of it. Okay. That's fair. Um, <laughs> let's see. Um, what is your favorite event or swim that you've done? Um, I've not so... That was a long time ago. I did all the events. Over recent years, I've done less and less events. Um, I've swam yeah, for the last 20 to 30 years, open water. Recently, SCARS, probably the one that stands out. So my two probably favourite events overall throughout the whole time of swam is probably SCAR and Loch Erne in Ireland. SCAR is amazing. Like I met Mark and a few others in the room, Molly and stuff um, at SCAR and I did Catalina the year before and Becky, who was on my boat, had talked me into or encouraged me to go to SCAR and I've been back and done it again since then. Um, and I just think just the way everybody helps each other out, just as a bit of a road trip, it's not so serious. The events in Scotland, it's all about performance. It's all about speed. It's all about the fast guys. Most of our swims are wetsuit compulsory because of the rules. So for me, SCAR was a breath of fresh air and kind of motivated me to get back into it because a lot of the stuff I do is solo swims. Most of the stuff now I do is all solo and SCAR is just quite nice because it just makes you feel like you belong somewhere. Whereas 
I'm kind of looked at like a freak half the time the stuff that I do because there isn't many of us here do what I do so yeah so I'd say scar and Lockerne in Ireland as I say it was my first long swim I've done that swim 14 15 times now and yeah it's just a lovely swim that's awesome um I yeah I'm glad to hear you mention scar just because it really is um such a fun you know, like you're with your people, right? And everyone's, everyone's there doing it. I'd recommend um, Kingdom Swim Week too. It's another like super low key, but you know, not as much distance, a little bit warmer, but anyway, that's another, another one, another place to go. But um, glad to hear you mention that. Um, what is the swim that you're most proud of that you've done? There's probably a couple that stand out. I probably couldn't say one um, from the early years and say Loch Ness. Um, I did Loch Ness when I was 19. It was the first swim that I stood at the end and said I didn't want to do it. I said to my mom the night before, I'm not sure I can do this. And my mom's like, well, you could go and tell. So my dad, my mom and dad, those in the room that know me, know that they travel the world with me. They're always beside my side, by my side. My dad is always on my boat. Loch Ness, he rode the whole Loch Ness with me at the side. Um, so they were with me and then there's another guy called Ian Reid who was at Loch Ness as well my mum said well you're the one to tell Ian Reid you're not swimming I'm not telling him so the next morning there was a conversation and Ian just went well we didn't come up here for you not to even try and someone in my head said he didn't think I could make it so I decided that's it I was not getting out of that swim I was going to do Loch Ness um, three miles from the end is Uckert Castle and um, it's a big tourist ruined castle um, and I was suffering badly with the cold I decided in my head that I wouldn't speak on my next feed because they would understand how cold I was because my teeth were chattering by this point so in my head I stupidly was like right I'll not speak I'll have my feed I'll carry on swimming and they won't pull me out our spare rescue boat was going away at the castle so I knew that that was a critical point my crew said had a conversation if I didn't speak they were pulling me out because it was too cold so the moral of this story is always be honest with your crew. So I took my feed thinking I was being smart and then carried on swimming. And then they started to go, well, is she too cold? Is she not? I'll not carry it, bore you with the rest of the story. But at the end, the last 200 metres took me 40 minutes to swim because it was that cold. So I think out of my career, Walk Ness taught me a lot. I need to be honest with my crew. I need to tell them everything and they need to understand how much I'm suffering um, but I also learned how to deal with your demons, how to suffer, um, and how you can just keep on going if you believe in yourself. My mum still says to this day, that's the worst day I've come out of any swim. So from the early days, Loch Ness stands out. And then from more modern times is probably um, the Minch swim two years ago. So the Minch is, there's a north and a south. The south has been swum before with a couple of swimmers in wetsuits, but nobody's done it skins. Um, it's from one of the Western Isles to the mainland. Um, I'd done one from Ork Pentland first to Orkney to the mainland a couple of years ago, but it's a shorter swim, but the tides are horrendous. So over the years, I've been looking at the Minch, but everybody said it wasn't doable because of the temperatures and the distance and the tides. I really did it. And then there was a few of us started to look at it. So three of us set off two years ago to be the first people to swim the Minch. So to give a little perspective, when I jumped in, the first thing I saw was just jellyfish. It was just this, just jellyfish everywhere. The water temperature was nine degrees centigrade. I don't know what that is Fahrenheit. It's quite cold. Yeah. 48. 
So it was nine at the start. Thank you. So it was that at the start. It went up to 14 in the middle and it dropped back down to 10 at the end. Um, (laughs) It was a 27-mile swim. Um, I didn't move for the last five miles. So a lot of years ago, I learned the hard way in the English Channel is never look up and never look behind you and then you don't know where you are. And I think that that really hit home during that swim because I got stuck in the tides to get to the finish. And the problem with the finish was we were wanting to be the first people to swim the North Minch. And we were sitting on the boundary of the North and the South Minch. So where I had to finish was north of the lighthouse and we were sitting in line with the lighthouse. So we're fitting, fighting the tide. So I took five and a half hours to swim the last mile and a half because of the tides. Everybody else on the boat were like, what's going to happen? How is she keeping on going? I was oblivious. I didn't even know that I was that close because I never looked up. So I always just looked to the side, take my feet from a kayaker, speak to the boat if I need to and carry on swimming. So I was oblivious. Everybody else was suffering more than I was suffering. Um, but that was the reason why, because I don't look up. My kayaker thought he'd never been with a swimmer before. Um, he's now a really good friend. He stayed, he paddled the whole 18, I think it was 1846, so 18, nearly 19 hours Brian was with me. And he was getting really worried at feeds because I was swimming backwards, I was swimming the wrong direction. But the wind was catching his boat, so he thought I was looking up, but I was just looking at him, taking my feeds, and then swimming off in the direction his boat was in. So I ended up swimming behind and stuff as well. But that swim, yeah, it was an interesting one. Jellyfish right the way through, cold windy wavy but yeah it's definitely my favorite swim and i would go back tomorrow if i was asked north channel is probably similar as well and yeah i would go back tomorrow if i got an opportunity there's just something magical about those longer tougher swims especially the ones that you're first because nobody knows whether it's doable or not um one of the guys i swam with that day got lost by his crew i don't really know why how i ended up having to go to the coast guard because it was pitch black and we lost him and that kind of made that swim harder. Um, I'd finished by that point, but at the end, for recovery and stuff, it was a bit strange. But Colin went back and swam it last year with a wetsuit. But he said it was easier because they knew it was done. So I think the longer, tougher swims or the ones that people have done before, there's something that appeals to me about them. That's amazing. I love that. Thank you for sharing that story. Um, do you think that you're a, a process or an outcome person? Um, I think my mum has made me a process person. I think if I was true to myself, it'd probably be an outcome. Um, I'm a bit of a control freak when it comes to my swims. Everything else in my life's not. My swimming, I am. And um, Rennie, who kayaked for me um, in SCAR the first year, um, and well, Blake, um, the second, second time I did SCAR, they laughed because I had the laminated card with all my feeds on it attached to my feed bag. And everything has to be like, yeah. So I've got all my bottles, they're color coded because in hotter water, I do change my feed slightly and have an isotonic every third or fourth feed with my jelly babies, which are like really nice little sweets. Um, so I have my bottles color coded and a card to tick off my feeds. So I would say for that kind of stuff from a swimming, everything's a process, but then other things, I'm just like, screw it, let's just go and try it and see what happens. So I think it is about getting the balance of the two. Once I'm in the water, I'm very much, I just need to swim, that's my job. Everybody else deals with the processes, deals with everything that's going on. 
um, my job is just to put my arms around, but beforehand, it's very much a process. Oh, that's great. Um, how do you adapt to changing conditions? I think I just, I think because I've been swimming so many years, and I think because I've grown up swimming outside, I just naturally change my stroke without actually thinking about it. I think the biggest change for me years ago was when I went to the North Channel, the first attempt when I was 18. That was the second time I'd swam in the sea. I'd done freshwater up until then. Um, quite a few years later, I went to Jersey um, in the Channel Islands to do a round island swim. And Sally Minty Gravit um, laughed because she was like, why are you kicking out the water? But it was just because my body position was so wrong because I'm that used to fresh water. And whereas now I've swam in the sea a lot more, I just changed my body position without thinking about it. My legs dropped down. So waves, I think I have a tendency to try and almost swim because people keep on asking me and I'm like, I don't know what I do. So I've been concentrating when I'm swimming to try and work out what I do. And I think when it gets wavy, swimming into them, I almost try and swim downhill and push my shoulders down. And then when I'm swimming with them, I kind of lift my shoulders slightly. But I think too many swimmers just go out and train in good days. You need to go and train in those horrific conditions as well as the good conditions so that when you're on a big swim, it doesn't matter what conditions come at you, you're fine with it and you just keep going. That's good advice. <laughs> Thank you. Um, how about hard situations? How do you deal with hard situations? Um, I think I deal with them very differently now than when I was younger. When I was younger... I got really abusive to my poor dad on my boat and called him all the names of the day and blamed him for everything and shouted abuse at him. Um, but the deal was once we came back out of the water, he was okay and it was just back to normal. So my way of dealing with when I was younger was to explode. Now, I think it's about breaking things down. So even on the minch swim, my kayaker laughed at me because at halfway, Brian said, oh, you've reached halfway. And I'm like, yes, the top of the hill is downhill all the way. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, halfway is the top of the mountain, so it's all downhill. So even when, in my wrong head, when you're finding things difficult as the swimming goes on, you just remember you're swimming downhill, so it's easier. Um, when I did Catalina, my, I've had my shoulder reconstructed and it was hurting. And Tom Hecker was my kayaker. And I asked him how far to go. And he said, you get there when you get there. And the only way you're going to get there is one arm at a time. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I swam away puzzled. Whereas now, like, the minch swim, when it got hard, my thinking is you're, it's almost like you're swimming one arm at a time is the only way you're going to get there. But it's reeling the finish in. So with every arm pull, you're getting there closer to the finish. And then when things get really, do really get hard, I just swim feed to feed. So every feed is a new swim. So swim to the next feed bottle, swim to the next feed bottle. When it's not so bad, I swim to my yellow bottle and my treats. If it's bad, it's just swim, um, bottle to bottle. So kind of just try and break swims down. That's amazing. That's wonderful advice. I appreciate that. Um, I thought it escaped me. What about um, this, uh, like the shelter in place, like lockdown, whatever they're calling it in Scotland. How, what, how are you handling that situation? It's probably the longest I've gone without swimming um, for as long as, probably since I got my shoulder reconstructed 20 years ago. So we're allowed out to walk or cycle or to run for an hour a day. This week we're allowed out more than once, whereas before we're just allowed out once. We're not allowed to swim. Um, 
England are now allowed to swim open water, but in Scotland we're still not being able to do anything. So it's been a bit challenging for me. I'm walking down to the swimming every day, walking along the river trying to find any sneaky spots I could go in. Um, but yeah, it is what it is, and hopefully the other end of it will be able to get back out into the water. What's the worst part for you about the situation? Um, I think it's not seeing family and friends. Um, I live on my own, so yeah, it's not actually seeing people because yeah, we're allowed out that hour a day, and that's kind of it. And I am really close to my parents. Um, they, as I say, they're on all my swims. They go everywhere with me. So yeah, it's probably just not seeing family and actually being able to give them a hug. Yeah, I miss the hugs. That was the, my worst. Like when that set in in the beginning, I was just like, "What? I'm not going to be able to hug people. I'm a hugger." <laughs> Um, what, um, what, how do you keep going? What motivates you to keep going? Um, I think it's about the challenge and it's about pushing those boundaries where people, I love it when people say you can't do something and you almost give them two fingers and show them that you can. And it's probably that's where I am. So after the Minch is probably the closest I've come to, to retiring and I was all for stopping and my kayaker was said, but that's, you swim, that's what you do. And I'm like, yeah, but I could find something else to do. And he's like, no, but you swim. So last year, instead of doing any big swims, um, my coach, although my name's Colleen, my coach and my family <clears throat> call me Call. So there's an island called the Isle of Call in Scotland. So Brian suggested that we just went and for fun, tried to swim around the Isle of Call over a few days, not in one go. The plan was to see if you could do it in one go because he said, we'll swim around the Isle of Call. And I was like, ah, oh, in one go. And he's like, no, in four or five days and I'm like no but can we do it in one go and he's like well because the tides I don't know let's go and plan it first I was like oh right okay so the idea of someone going to do something short and fun had never really entered my head because I've always done long stuff so last summer I did the Corrie Whirlpool which is one of the largest whirlpools in the world but a slap tide you could swim across it so I did that with a group and I did lots of short fun stuff um which has kind of just made me more determined to go back to doing long stuff again and I think yeah we've got a few things we're looking at probably won't happen this year now um but it's just finding new challenges that's wonderful um what advice would you give to an aspiring marathon swimmer have fun it's if it's not fun it's not for you and it's about challenging yourself being realistic with the challenges and um, some of mine probably aren't that realistic but you think can it you need to just go in thinking you can do it and making sure my mom used to say, make sure you've got all your monkeys off your back. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So when my sister went to the channel, she swam in the dark before she went to the channel is making sure that you could do as many things as you can before you do it. So when I swam the Minch, I had all my feeds and um, we knew jellyfish were going to be an issue because somebody ended up in hospital trying it a few days before us. So I ended up putting diaper cream all over myself in a thick layer in the hope that it would maybe protect us from jellyfish for a wee while. But it's just doing things that makes it easier in your head. So everybody's heads differently. But if you can knock off as many things that challenges you may reach in an event, then if you can knock so many of them off beforehand, so when you go in, you know all your job is, is to do is swim and have fun, then it makes life just so much easier. Yeah, good advice. Um, you have a, a little known secret about, about yourself that you'd be willing to tell us? <laughs> I just, well, what is there? Um, I don't really, I am, I am kind of an open book. I don't really shout about my swims. I just kind of like 
to just turn up and go. I don't deal with pressure at all. So one of the things with Scar, I some the first year, even the second year, I freaked out about it was slightly was everybody knows that I'm a North Channel swimmer. So when I met Blake, who's become a really good friend who kayaked for me last year, uh, the last time I was at Scar, Blake sent me a message going, oh my God, I've just found out who you are. Like, you've done this, you're amazing. And I don't deal with that. And I really struggled the first couple of swims at Scar because I put too much pressure on myself by other people's expectations. And I actually had to say to Blake, stop. But it was really nice what he was doing. And I can understand why people say things and do stuff. But that's the one thing I can't actually deal with. So that's probably, yeah. Just as a side note to the others here, I think Blake was one of the people that was recommended to be interviewed, but he wasn't able to come today. So (laughs) he had to go back to work. So he he got Colleen to come in his place, which has been lovely, lovely chatting with you. Can you recommend someone else for us to chat with at at our little marathon swim stories? Um, I was thinking about who to... At like ask if you're looking for a, a Scottish or a British swimmer Morag Hughes is quite an interesting swimmer who started she's done the channel she's done a few big swims she just goes and does her own thing but nobody knows who she is um, or Hippo Mark will know Hippo Graham Slachter who is a South African swimmer based outside <laughs> of London Hippo is hilarious and has done some amazing swims as well um, and his um, wife, Audra, is Slim Hippo, and he travels around, always swims with a little blue hippo, um, which goes on his kayak and always swims with him, hence why he's known as Hippo. So yeah, probably Graham. All right, I appreciate those recommendations. Does anybody have any questions? Harry, uh, Harry Hippo is in one of my pictures. <laughs> cool. Any questions for Colleen? this morning or afternoon for her? Not a question, but a comment. I am so impressed that you did something like 17K at 14 years old. I was, um, I was so impressed by that. And the things that you've gone through and, um, you know, the swimming in the cold temperature, that would be one thing. What advice would you have for people acclimating to cold um, I think it's about building up. So when I first moved to where I live now in the lock, I was like, oh, I need to get wet. So the lock's too cold. But over the years, I've got I used to it and my body's acclimatized to it. And I think sometimes we think we're cold when we're actually not cold. Jamie will probably, I don't know if she'll back me up on this, but it's in the cold, it's sometimes a mind game rather than a physical game. And it's about knowing your own limits but actually knowing when to push those limits as well. And sometimes I go in five, 10 minutes and think, no, this is not my day for being in here. And I'll get out two days later, I'll go in and do two hours, no problem. And it's not, it's about knowing yourself and knowing yourself that day on big swims, you don't have a choice. That's your job. You're suffering and it's tough, but on training swims or building up to it, it is about gradual acclimatization and, getting your mind used to actually being cold and just accepting you're going to be cold and that's just how it is. Um, But yeah, I think it's just about slow acclimatization. And then if it's during an event, you just have to go in that mindset that it's tough luck. I agree, Colleen. Great answer. Thank you. I appreciate that. I was going to ask about, about the cold. I was supposed to do Loch Ness this year, but that'll be hopefully 2021. So I'll have to come 
catch up with you before then, Colleen. <laughs> yeah, no problem. The thing with Loch Ness is not just the cold, it's black. Because the loch's so dark, it's like, it's so clean. Like, you can see your hands, you can see your feet treading water, but it's the colour of treacle when you're actually swimming. And it's just because it's so, it freaks a lot of people out, but there's something nice and peaceful about it as well. Well, Colleen, I'm curious, what is your special sweet in your, uh, that you look forward to in your yellow bottle? <laughs> um, so my yellow bottles, my electrolyte feeds, and my sweets that go with it are called Jelly Babies. Um, Mark said he'd had them, he didn't like them. Um, I don't know if anybody else has had them in group. The last time I was at SCAR, I caused total fights because everybody was stealing my Jelly Babies. <laughs> um, I have them in little boxes. As soon as they get wet, they go slimy. Um, but they're like almost like gel content like in the center but they're a little bit solder they're fruit flavored um yeah they're just really they're really sweet but quite nice but if i'm in freshwater quite like jaffa cakes as well which is like a biscuit that's a cake base with orange jelly and chocolate on the top yum fun awesome thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today colleen i'm gonna do a quick screenshot if anybody wants to wave or smile <laughs> <laughs> all right well we'll talk to you guys next week i think we have elizabeth almond and i don't remember the other person but i'll post it <laughs> thanks thank you guys so much bye thanks guys bye, bye. i hope you enjoyed today's interview if you'd like to be a guest on marathon swim stories just email me shannon at intrepidwater.com. Please stay in touch by joining our email list at intrepidwater.com. Thanks for listening.